Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Um, I have the privilege of welcoming Pastor RJ, continuing his series on uh, weapons of our warfare. Today he's talking about humility. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship Church. How are you all doing today? Some better than others? So how many know that we had the Jam Cup yesterday? You don't even know what I'm talking about. Jam, Jesus Life Ministers, are joint aid management. We support them every month. They feed about a million kids a day all through Africa. They do evangelistic outreaches and lead people to Christ. And uh, anyway, Mitch, how'd your team do? Oh, second place. I don't want to talk about it. You got all those bumps and bruises for nothing? (laughs) It's for the kids. So um, anyway, they've been doing that for 10 or 12 years now, and uh, they just use it to raise money for jam. It's a little tournament that they do through the the hockey on uh, Sunday morning or Saturday mornings. But uh, anyway, it was kind of fitting for the message on humility because the last place team in the round robin actually won the tournament. They went from last to first. Reminds me of a verse in the Bible that says, the first shall be and the last shall be. Oh. And then we did have a really good encounter uh, last week. If you've never been on an encounter, um, I encourage you. There's another one coming up in September. Uh, Clear your schedule so you can come for a Saturday. Uh, We'd love to have you there. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, um, if you're following us on social media, you would have seen Stephen kind of gave you a little bit of a heads up that we're going into a season of fasting, 40 days of of fasting and and praying and seeking God. I want to read something from Isaiah 58, 6 to 8. It says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Then he states, Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you and let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Emphasis, pause. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. And then connected to this context here, I want to talk about Second Chronicles 7.14 because we know that if my people will, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. And that verse in Chronicles is actually sandwiched in the context where Solomon is dedicating the temple to the Lord. And God essentially tells Solomon, hey, look, some bad stuff is going to happen in life. How many of you are alive? Breathing? So that's the qualification for bad stuff to happen to you at some point. But I'm a Christian. Bad stuff can't happen. Oh, actually, I think the Bible says, in this world you will have tribulation. Bad stuff's going to happen. When it does, humble yourselves and pray. Seek his face. Then God hears and heals, right? And then... He reiterates, God reiterates to Solomon, if you abandon me, if you abandon God and disobey my commands, the temple will become a mockery, the temple that he was dedicating. But in the new covenant, who's the temple? 
We're, we're the church. If you think that these walls are the church, you missed it. We are the church. And we're the church seven days a week. It doesn't matter where you go, you're the church. We represent Christ. We don't go to church on Sunday. We are the church. We gather as a community of church people on Sunday mornings. We doing okay? It's a very sobering passage for us here in North America. Christianity, especially in North America, to a large degree has abandoned God and disobeyed his commands. What do you mean? Well, are we fasting for those who are wrongly imprisoned, even in Canada, globally? Are we lightening the burden of those who work for us? Are we letting the oppressed go free and removing the chains that bind people? Are we sharing our food with the hungry, giving shelter to the homeless? Are we giving clothes to those who need him? Are you hiding from relatives who need your help? When sins condoned from pulpits and Christians don't live any morally different than non-Christians, we need to pray and fast. We need to look within. Last week, Pastor Larry was talking about listening to the Holy Spirit in the context of weapons of our warfare. And I'm going to continue this today with humility. But you got to understand something. One of the best ways to hear the Holy Spirit's voice is to silence your flesh. How do you silence your flesh? Stop feeding it. What do you mean? Stop feeding it. It'll go quiet. Has anyone ever fasted for more than 15 minutes? <laughs> I do intermittent fasting, right? Or what's the other one they do, the seafood diet? <laughs> Listen, it's not just food that we fast. We can fast media. We can fast things that are television, movies that feed us. We can fast sugar, caffeine. We should all be fasting illegal drugs. Okay. Some of you married couples, by mutual consent, you can fast sex. By mutual consent, no mutual consent, you don't do it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Uh, some people do intermittent fasting. So you only eat between noon and five or noon and six, and that's when you eat your food. Don't overdo it. You're going to hurt yourself. The other thing is we want to be spirit-led. So you pray, you ask the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to fast? And then join with us. It's a corporate fast. It works best when corporately everybody participates together. Oh, don't condemn me and force me. into. I'm not condemning you into nothing. But how many know that there's some needs in our city and our nation? How many have some needs in your own life? And you know some people with some needs. Let's take a season where we corporately get together and fast and pray for our city, for our nation. I actually wrote something down that I wanted to read here. Let us fast for the people wrongly imprisoned around the globe and in Canada. Let us the oppressed find freedom. Let the shackles of tyranny be lifted from humans and let the one true king be glorified through our lives. May we take up our cross and obey the truth of God's word as we continue to do the things that he tells us to do through obedience. I want to encourage all of you, seek the Holy Spirit's face 
and do what he tells you to do. Fast how he wants you to fast. Now, if you've never fasted food before, maybe start with one day. When I was new at this, I did a whole year where from Sunday night at 6 to Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., so 6 p.m. Sunday to 6 a.m., I would only have water on the Monday, right? And then my body got used to that, so then I was able to go a few days. If you've never fasted, you don't eat a steak dinner, go off food for two weeks, and then break it with the pizza. You're going to end up in the emergency room. Okay, so you need to understand how to do this. And the only two people I know that have ever survived 40 days without food and water is Jesus and Moses. So unless you want to put yourself up there with him, you probably need water. You listening? Okay. So I'm encouraging you, learn about fasting. I think on the newsletter, we sent a link out to a, a, a message that I did that'll help you to understand some of these concepts more. But let's fast from now, tomorrow, March 7th to April 15th, which is commonly known as Good Friday. Now, I, I still am trying to figure out why they call it Good Friday. And you go, duh, it's obvious. That's when Jesus was crucified. <laughs> Except that for me, Jesus said, I give you no sign but the sign of Noah, uh, Jonah. Three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. He had to be crucified on a Thursday. I don't argue with people. But there was a holiday, a holy day. Okay, So you had a holiday Sabbath, and then the Sabbath, and then Sunday, the first day of the week. So if Jesus was crucified on a Thursday, it really should be Good Thursday. So I think Good Friday came about because that's when we get to eat again. <laughs> it's Good Friday, yay food. <laughs> that was my weak attempt at a joke. All right. On a more serious note, uh, today we're going to continue our series on weapons of our warfare. Uh, we're going to have some conversations today about humility. I pay very close attention because it's really hard to teach on humility when you're as humble as I am. <laughs> no, really, humility is one of my strong points. It's my best quality. I'm probably the most humble person I know. <laughs> I could talk about my humility for hours. Now, some of you are cluing into where I'm going with this. <laughs> I, I think we could all be a little bit more like Christ, especially in this area of humility. And for those of you where it flew right over your head, that was purely sarcasm. So I actually learned this when I was in Asia. It was humbling. <laughs> it really was. Because in the East, they don't use sarcasm as a form of humor like we do in the West. So when you go over into the East and you start talking in sarcasm, they have no frame of reference for sarcasm, so they take you literally. <laughs> and then they look at you like, what are you talking about? So... It's humbling when you have to learn things like that, when you start interacting with different cultures who process things very differently, you know? And, and we all have to work together. And you're gonna hear me say, make allowances for one another's faults. And, and, you know, a lot of times people do things in their culture that's acceptable, but it may not be acceptable in yours. You know what I'm talking about? I see my... My Spanish brothers and sisters over here, George, Claudia, Walter, Harrison, right? Is that Louis? I see Louis too. 
So in some Spanish countries, you can use some words, but in other Spanish countries, you can't use those same words because they're not good words. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) But it's very confusing for me as an English speaker because I have one Spanish friend who teaches me a Spanish word, and I'm so excited I get to use a new Spanish word, and then I use it with my other Spanish friends, and they're looking at me like I just, like, cursed Jesus' grave. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm still sorry, Claudia. <laughs> but see, see, what happens is this is something where we, we, we have to make allowance for one another's faults. If you know me, my intention is never to insult, right? I'm not trying to put down. I'm not trying to use bad words. I was just trying to connect with someone in a language that they speak. But it's humbling when you go through those experiences. Has anyone ever gone to another culture and tried to learn another language? Some of you came to Canada and had to learn English. You're still trying to figure English out because it's just a messed up language. You have those conversations, don't you? I have a friend. He's not here right now. I wish he was. Um, My wife drinks. uh, It's called a London Fog, which is a tea Okay, Earl Grey tea with vanilla syrup and, and a little bit of milk, yeah. And, and she always gets it half sweet with, you know, skim milk, whatever. But the point is, uh, anyways, so my friend, he has a hard time saying fog. He always asks for a London frog. <laughs> <laughs> we have fun with that. But it's humbling when you have a hard time learning to do that. And we were at a place the other day and they're like, what flavor syrup would you like? I'm like, do they make it another way? You following me? We're talking about humility. Jesus humbly took the form of a human when he came to earth. It's called the incarnation. He clothed himself with human flesh. We read it a little bit earlier, but, but see, When Jesus came to earth, he was God who spoke the universe into existence. Still is. But he clothed himself in this little earth suit, giving up some of his divine privileges, as the scriptures say. Think about this. He spoke the stars into existence, and they were talking about this in worship today, and I was like meditating on that. The stars, it talks about how the morning stars used to sing together. And I can see one star over here, and, and, and now the real science tells us that, um, you know, the stars actually do communicate. There's actually uh, radio waves and frequencies coming off of the stars, and I can see one saying, Jesus is the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, and they're worshiping the Creator. And this star over here, thousands of light years away, is saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And this other star over here is saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And the stars sing back and forth to one another. It takes a long time for their song to get to the next one. <laughs> but they worship the king. They worship the creator. Just like you and I were designed and created to worship the creator. And see, the concept today that we're talking about, I'm going to get to pride a little bit later, but the problem is we want worship to come to ourselves. We want to be worshiped. And then you're hanging out with Lucifer. You're not hanging out with Jesus. People, the only one worthy of worship is Jesus. Any human that desires to be worshiped is in pride. In fact, there's even one scripture in the book of Acts that talks about this. One of the Herods, 
the people were talking about how great he was and he received the worship and instantly it says he was consumed with words and fell over. There's one, the lamb is the only one that's worthy to be worshiped. Jesus humbly took on humanity and he served humanity. I want to read John 13 to you. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? So they had a inner garment and an outer garment. And, and I want to I wanna give you a picture here because sometimes we have a hard time in 2022 connecting to what was happening like in AD 30. How many of you might have walked here today? I used to walk here when I lived close. And, and I walk on a, or a rollerblade, whatever, but there, there's paved roads that we come on, right? Unless you go across the field and over the tracks and under the fence and, you know, I did that too. But back in those days, they had dirt roads with horses and donkeys. Have you ever walked down a road behind a horse? And they wore sandals. And if you're not paying attention and you're walking down the road behind a horse, you know what happens? You step in a landmine. And in every good household, they had a servant whose job was to wash the feet of all the guests that came into the house, keep the house clean. It was the lowest job in the household. I think so too. Jesus took on the position of the lowest person in the household, the lowest servant in the household, and washed his disciples' feet. And at one point in the conversation, Peter's like, uh, Lord, you don't need to wash my feet. Why would I let you do that? You're the rabbi, you're the master, you're the teacher, you're the one I look to. Why would I let you wash my feet? It should be the other way around. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And Peter's like, hey, pff, wash my face, wash my hands, I don't care, do my hair. <laughs> He's like... I want to be a part of you. But see, Jesus, by example, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So, so Jesus, who's the master? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He was willing to serve humanity. He served his disciples. He served us. He was actually obedient even to the point that he was willing to be murdered by humans on the cross. He came to serve. And, and in John 21, 25, in the Amplified, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that be, would be written. And you think, okay, John, man, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty bold statement. But Jesus served humans everywhere he went when he was here on planet Earth, right? He went around, he did good. In some places it said he healed all who were sick and oppressed to the devil. Does all mean some? Does all mean only the ones that were recorded in the scriptures? All, everyone, he healed them all. But here's the thing, he died for whose sin? Ours, yours, mine. And then now that we're free from sin, 
He puts his goodness inside of us and we can go and share goodness and love with others, right? Are you doing okay? Listen, if you were to record the goodness of God in your life, how many books would it take to fill that up? Because he saved you of your sin so you can take this message of hope that he placed within you and you can go share it with others so that they too can get the message of hope so they can get saved from their life of sin so God can start working out good inside of them. Because see, I figured something out. There is no goodness in me as RJ human. There is goodness as in me only because of Christ and I'm a Christ follower. And if I start looking like him and acting like him and walking like him and talking like him, then you might see some good reflected. I was talking about the stars. Last night I looked out the window and I saw a really bright planet off to, I think it was the Southwest. South, anyways. Someone this morning said it might've been Venus. It was bright. But you know, planets don't make their own light. They reflect light from the sun. Humans don't really produce their own light. They reflect light from the sun. So if you see good in me, it's because God's in me and I'm trying to live like he wants me to live. And if I can reflect some goodness to you, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to as a Christian, a Christ follower. But as soon as I start saying I am good in of my own self, then I'm crossing the line over into pride, not humility. I'm not good. God's good. If God's in me, then I can be good because God's in me, the goodness of God in me. Some of you, no, 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 I'm, I, I, I don't believe that. God made me good. You're right. But then the law of sin and death kicked in and you sinned and then you weren't good no more. That's why he came. That's why he humbled himself, clothed himself in flesh and allowed himself to be submissive to God all the way to the cross because he was good is good, continues to be good. Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over the people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. That's this world. But among you, it will be different. Among who? The disciples. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Wait, what? How many want to be leaders? then we surf. The higher the rank you have in Christianity, the more you have an obligation to serve others. The more you move up in the kingdom, the less of your life you have control over. Because you're surrendered to the king. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for others or for many. Jesus knew his purpose when he came. He read the scriptures. He figured it out. He was young and he was trying to teach the religious leader something because they didn't catch it. He caught it. He came to die and to serve humanity. And by his example, he wants us to die to ourselves and live to serve humanity. Any husbands and wives in the room? Some of you are married. Marriages work best when we follow God's plan for marriage. You have a husband who serves his wife and a wife who serves her husband. There's a mutual submission to one another under God. Yeah, I know headship. 
not teaching on that right now. I'm talking about serving. But if the husband serves the wife, but the wife doesn't serve the husband, it's going to get out of balance. Or if the wife serves the husband or, and the man doesn't serve his wife, there's a problem. And see, because people are inherently selfish, they demand instead of serve. And this creates conflict. Has anyone ever had conflict in your life because you're selfish? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I mean, even the context of this, he's got two of his 12 followers. They're walking around with him and two of them are like, hey, Jesus, do us a favor. What's that? When you come in your glory, can I sit at your right and my brother on your left? Jesus is like, well, for starters, boys, it's not my decision. It's God's decision. The Father is going to determine who sits at my right and left. And oh, by the way, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you become a servant. You need to serve everybody. You become the lowest. You take the lowest position. And you know, we look at the body of Christ and people kind of compare themselves to one another, which is foolish. You don't compare yourself to the person ne sitting next to you. Because God made you all unique and different and he's given you all different gifts. So one person cleans the floor and one person straightens the chairs and one person turns on the microphone and one person turns on the screens and some musicians play music and I teach a message and others pray for you. And some people are watching your kids down the hall. God bless them. Right? Everybody has a different gift. But if you do what God has told you to do, we all get the same reward. And we compare and say, oh, I'm not doing what he's doing or I'm not doing what she's doing. But this, that's foolish. What did God tell you to do? Just do that and do it with excellence. You know, if every Christian that named the name of Christ was actually obedient to God's command in two areas, tithes and servanthood, we would change the world. Our missionary funds would be fully funded. Our bills would be paid. We would be able to hire who we need to hire. We would be able to go where we need to go. We would be able to outreach into the community more. And people wouldn't be tired from having to cover two and three positions in servanthood because someone else isn't doing their part. But if we're like Christ, we're humble and we put aside what we want to do and we take on his nature and we serve others. This is a fun message. <laughs> Let's see what the scriptures say here. Ephesians 4.2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. There's that word again, allowance for each other's faults. Humble. 1 Peter 5, 1 to 7. And now a word to you are elders in the church. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. This is Peter talking. And I, too, will share in his glory when it's revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. When the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. 
So if you're in a leadership position, lead and serve. Lead others and serve them. But wait, it says, in the same way you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. All of you, dress yourselves in humility. How many of you? Does he say all of you except those who sit on the left side of the church? All of you except those who sit in the front row. How many are supposed to clothe themselves in humility? If you're a Christ follower, you should clothe yourself in humility every day, all day, seven days a week, 365 and a quarter days a year. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. So many times we want to be lifted up in honor. I mean, how many of you are really waiting for the angel to come and say, behold, this is my beloved son, Ken, who's sitting in the front row today. And I love him so much and I want to exalt him and I want to lift him up with the healing ministry. And how many have had that happen to you? How many years did you faithfully usher? 15 years faithfully ushered and served people. You see, what happens is you take the gift that God has given you and you serve faithfully. And over time, God promotes you when he's ready. But usually it's not when he's ready, it's when you're ready. Because the truth is, too many are like the publican, not like the sinner. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like this lowly sinner over here. As opposed to the sinner, God, I need you because I can't exist without you. Every time I hear that song, I can't sing it. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Oh my goodness. It's so true because the truth is I cannot live, move, and have my being at all without him. Because without him, I am nothing. What does it say in Philippians? I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the... Conversely, without him... I can't do everything because without his help, I'm not getting it done. We all have to come to that place. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Colossians 3.13 to 15, humility always precedes promotion. Um, Since God shows you to be a holy people, he loves you, must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. There's that word again. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. When you are operating in humility, I want you to understand something. You're not operating in pride. Essentially, what you're doing is you're taking away the weapon of destruction that Satan uses to destroy you. You know the scriptures say, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You operate in pride, you let the destructive power of Satan operate inside of your life. You operate in humility, you let the peace of God reign supreme in your life. Which is it? You can't operate in pride and humility at the same time. Because if you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways. And you know, wow. The Bible even talks about, it says, 
says, consider the cost before you build a tower. In other words, if you're going to enter into the Christian life, it, I would rather you sit and think about it. It's going to cost me my selfishness. It's going to cost me my sin. It's going to cost me my shame. It's going to cost me my, the benefit is going to be forgiveness, freedom, peace, the love of God, the joy of the Lord. These are the benefits. Weigh it out, consider it. Then someone who makes an emotional decision in the moment and doesn't stay with it. Because how many of you love it when your neighbor starts a house and then five years later, they're trying to finish it? They did that over on Disputed by our house. Man, there was one house it left unfinished for like two years. Here's my irritation. I rollerblade. When they're doing construction, they put rocks all over the path that I'm rollerblading on. You ever go flying by at about 30 kilometers an hour and you hit a rock? It's awesome. You're doing the Superman. Woo! Isn't that what it's like when people jump into Christianity without considering the cost, but they're not willing to give up their desires because they're selfish? At the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, do I like my alcohol more than God? Do I like my porn more than my relationship with Christ? Do I like my money more than I like my Jesus? See, when you surrender your life to Christ, you surrender your whole life to Christ, not just the parts that you want to surrender. Partial surrender is not surrender. Think about that for a second. Hey, you know, do you have any weapons on you? Well, yeah, you can have my pistol. Well, what about your grenade belt? What about your AK-47? What about your knife? You either lay your weapons down. You catching this? This is, this is humility, right? So Christ, by example, humbled himself, took on human form, was crucified. He died for us. He loved you. He's the king. We follow his example. We lay our life down. What does Paul say? I die daily. What do you die to? My flesh. Some of you aren't good at dying to your flesh. Thus, a season of prayer and fasting. It helps you target dying to flesh. Crucify the flesh. Our flesh gets us in so much trouble. Okay. And more I want to say. Pride is always going to say, okay. Humility is actually a strength in your life. Meekness is not weakness, right? Um, it's fully submitted to God. It demonstrates trust in him and confidence in him. At the same time, it's acknowledging that we're weak and fragile without him, as I talked about. I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. You know, at the beginning, I read the, they read the verse. Desen came read the verse. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I think I want you to all stand up while I read this again from Philippians 2. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue should declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, I want you to catch something here because there's a, there's a, there's a power in this. And, and I remember when I was young, the first time I got to preach, I was a student. I mean, I preached a few places, but on, on this stage. And I had some friends that had to kind of grade me 
on my sermon, but I'll never forget the altar call I gave that day. It was probably the strongest altar call I ever gave to this day. And essentially I was talking about this verse and how when you are confronted with the truth about how much Jesus loves you and died for you, you have to make a decision. You can bow your knee to him through conversion to Christianity. And you become a Christ follower. And that is the recommended way to bow your knee to Christ. Because if you refuse to bow to him in this life, you will bow later through coercion when you stand before him and the angels throw you on your face. So you can bow now through conversion or you can bow later through coercion. Which is it going to be? And as I was preaching that, this guy ran down to the front and because God was speaking to his heart. But the same is true to you today. You have to choose, am I going to stay in my pride or am I going to operate in the humility that God wants me to? And the truth is, throughout this, there's references to make allowance for each other's faults. We have to forgive. We have to release. We have to let go. Not for your benefit. Or not for their benefit, but for yours. So as we come to the table, we're going to be doing communion. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, which we do in remembrance of Him. But the truth is, you want to make sure your heart is in the right place. You want to make sure you're not operating in pride. You don't want to make sure you're not operating in self. So what I want to do is, there's an altar. That's the space at the front of the church. We're going to call this the altar today. And the altar is the place in your life where you lay something down and it dies. But it's a point of contact. It's a point of obedience. It's a place where we put our pride aside because we don't care what anyone else thinks. Shyness is actually a very high form of pride because you're more concerned about what others think than you are about what God thinks. I know, I used to be shy. It was my pride. So as we go to the table today, if the Spirit of God is working on your heart and there's some pride activating in your life that you need to lay down, there's some relationships that you need to get right, there's some, there's some unforgiveness in your heart, I want to encourage you, even as I'm talking right now, put aside your pride and come down here. And my wife is going to share a little bit on this as you are coming down to the front. As Pastor RJ is sharing about fasting, um, there's something, you know, we're talking about spiritual warfare, okay? And we need to understand as Christians that when we're going to fast and we're going to be killing our flesh and working on, you know, telling our flesh to shut up, that actually when you begin to fast and you begin to tell your flesh to shut up, your flesh is going to scream really loud. Like that's the voice you're going to hear in your head 24-7. Like for the first little bit, it won't stop. It's like when you, you know, if you're fasting food and you're not eating, your stomach starts to hurt and you get cramps. And that's all you can think about is the cramps in your stomach and you need to get something in your stomach and, or the cramps won't go away. It's going to, we ha, you got to be aware that the enemy is looking for you to fail. And he will do whatever it takes to put you in condemnation and get you to fail. 
and the voices you're gonna hear is that you can't do this and that what you're, and you have to, you have to understand that when you go and you pray and you seek the Holy Spirit on what you're to do and what He wants you to fast and what in the flesh that He is saying, you need to put this down, it's the idol in your life. The idol that you have put in place above Him. And that when you start to lay it down, it's gonna scream and yell and go, no, 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 I wanna be right back in first place again. That's where I need to be. Why are you putting me lower? So you have to understand that as you begin to obey, it's not gonna be just follow the yellow brick road. You know, it's gonna be easy and and they're gonna throw roses for you and it's gonna be just a cakewalk. It's not. You have to realize and we have to be sharp in the spirit church that the enemy is gonna come and whatever you're you're going before God and you're at and you're like, okay, Lord, you're telling me to do this. It's not gonna be easy. The voice, the first one is gonna be your flesh. And then as you as you are obedient and you go before God, because God is faithful and the word of God says that when temptation comes, you ask him and he gives you the way out. The word of God is true, it's faithful. So when temptation comes and you, you better believe, you better know, I guarantee you temptation will come in the thing that you're trying to silence and the thing that the Lord has asked you to fast. Ask the Lord to deliver you from evil and lead you not into temptation, but you have to walk it out And as you continue to walk it out, that voice, it's off in the distance. And then it gets, you can't even hear it anymore. And you're deaf to it. And all you feel and you know is like you're in a zone with the Holy Spirit. And you are coming up to a new place in Him and you're gonna begin to see in the Spirit that things begin to change and the voice of God becomes so clear because the thing that He asked you to lay down, you obeyed Him and what He asked you to, and then He's gonna say, take up this instead. And it becomes so much clearer. Be faithful to, and and if, because there's many of us, myself included, we might stumble, we might fall along the journey in the 40 days, do it again. Dust yourself off, pick yourself back up and go, okay, God, I know you've forgiven me. Forgive me, please. Let's try this again. And you're gonna do it again. And you're gonna do it again. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy trick you into saying, you're not good enough. You'll never be able to do this. Just give up. Because that is exactly what he's looking for you to do. Keep trying, keep going before God and keep asking him because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. And one of the things that's really important as we're going into this right now, how many know that there's some people that maybe you don't like so much? Does anyone have someone that you just don't like so much? Let's be real. Here's the thing you gotta remember, God loves them. And they probably don't like you very much and he loves you. And that's the hard part in this because Jesus died for all humans. Doesn't matter 
if they're your friend or your foe. Jesus died for the Russians and the Ukrainians. The Iranians and the Israelis, the Chinese and the Taiwanese. He died for all people. So as we come to the table today, let's put down our selfish ambition and our self-will. Let's take up our cross and die to self and serve humanity. Let's serve one another. Let's serve our community. Let's serve our spouses. Father, I thank you for the bread that represents your body. Lord, it was broken so that we could be whole. Restore us, your people, to wholeness today. Heal our hearts, heal our minds, heal our bodies. Raise us up to health in the name of Jesus. And as we have the cup, the blood of Jesus, Lord, as we've released forgiveness, we receive forgiveness. But I'm grateful. Always give thanks. Lord, I am always grateful that you went to the cross for me. As my friends are grateful that you went to the cross for them to make a way. Help us to understand our great need for you that we would never think that we're above your salvation or that we're good enough on our own without you. Help us to extend grace and mercy in every situation. The situations where we're right and everybody else is wrong or where we're wrong and everybody else is right. Let your grace and your healing flow in today. In Jesus' name. Let the light roll. Hail, hail, light of Judah. Let the light. 